What a way to start, church family. I cannot say enough how, how lucky I am to, to get to talk on this student Sunday. Thank you, Josiah. You are awesome. Um, how lucky I am to talk on this student Sunday, not only to get led in worship by some of my favorite people, sorry, Justin, but uh, to also celebrate the life change through baptism, and I am just incredibly fortunate uh, to get to do this. Would y'all just pray with me as we get started this morning? Father God, I am just so thankful, Lord, for uh, this church. God, so thankful for these students, Lord, leading us in worship, Father. And God, I just pray as we uh, dive into your word this morning, God, that you would speak through me, God, and that you would give us all ears to hear what your word would tell us. It's in your son's name we pray, amen. Well, as we get started this morning, I just want to welcome you. If this is your first time with us, or maybe you are watching online, I want to welcome you to Church on Bayshore. We are just so excited that you're here, and we would hope that you would get connected to everything that's happening here at Church on Bayshore, the way that God is moving here at this church, and, and you can do that by stopping by one of our welcome desks. They're located outside of, of the sanctuary and the kids' building. You can also stop by our welcome desk in the foyer, and you could also just text the number that's on the screen. Text connect to the number on the screen. Uh, lots of ways to get connected. I also want to remind you that this past Wednesday was our last meeting on Wednesday night until July 13th. And in that time, in this, in this gap that we're taking, we do have some incredible ways that you can stay involved by serving our community through Bayshore Kids Clubs or serving at our 4th of July celebrations, both great ways that, that we can get excited about serving our community. My name is Alec Ammons. I'm the student minister here. And before I really dive into things, I just want to say on behalf of my wife and Ashley, how blessed we are to be a part of this church. Uh, we've been here for almost a year and a half, and we are just in awe of God's leading us here and in awe of what God is doing here at this church. And I just want to thank you. I want to thank our students just for, for just being awesome. <laughs> um, I, we absolutely love it, and we're just so blessed to be here. Speaking of my wife, um, we, <laughs> I've got permission to tell this story as I get into this, and I, I want you to know I'm not sleeping on the couch tonight, but I have, I have a nickname for my wife, and it's really been since we've gotten married. Uh, I, it just kind of come, came to mind, I call her Squirrel, um, which will make sense in a second. So I, I call her Squirrel, and if you know anything about squirrels, they, they like to take things, their, their food, uh, imp maybe important things for them, and they, they like to hide them away uh, in little stashes, and then sometimes they forget where they are. Um, and this is why I call my wife Squirrel, because I will be leaving for work, and I will have put my keys one place, and they end up in the third drawer underneath the TV that my keys have never been in. It's just like this, this, this natural desire for her to just like take things and stash them. Um, and, and this goes even further. She, the night before our wedding, we had this like wad of cash that had been given to us to help us with our honeymoon, and she had put it somewhere and completely forgot. And so she has all of her bridesmaids are, are at our house or at, at her apartment at the time and they are like frantically searching for this money. And I, I can only imagine it's like late at night, everybody's like almost asleep and she's like, wait, hold on, I forgot to pack the money. And so they're looking all over the place and my wife, 
knowing that she has this tendency, she said, it's probably in a place that you wouldn't put money. And so all of her bridesmaids are searching around the house, and, and finally, they find this in the kitchen. Um, you may not be able to read this. It says, Ammon's Recipes, um, natural place to stash loads of cash. And um, if you come to our house, it's not where it is, I promise. Um, but, but really, she opens, one of her friends, May, opens this up, and there in this recipe box is all of this money. She packs it away and everything's fine, the day is saved. But I, I say this as I set up the, the tension of, of today's message is really we have these incredible things that God has entrusted to us. We have incredible gifts, we've got incredible opportunities that God gives us. And a lot of the times we hide them away and completely forget to manage them. And so we're gonna be talking, we're, we're taking a break from the book of Mark. We're gonna be talking, if you wanna turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And we're gonna be talking about how we manage what God has entrusted to us. So Matthew chapter 25, verse 14 through 30. And as we, as we dive into God's word, I just wanna set this text up a little bit for us. So this text is a part of a larger teaching of Jesus's, it's known as the Olivet Discourse, and this is where Jesus is sitting on the Mount of Olives, and he's teaching and prophesying to his disciples. So this is right before we see him be betrayed and ultimately crucified and resurrected. This is kind of his, his big teaching moment with his disciples before all of that happens. So let's read together Matthew 25, verses 14 through 30. It says this, for it will be like a man going on a journey, who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. So also he who had the two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he said, and he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. And he also who had the two talents came forward saying, master, you delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. His master said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and you gather where I scattered no seed, then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. 
So take the talent from him and give it to him who has the 10 talents. For everyone who has will more be given and he will have abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into outer darkness. In that place, there will be a weeping and gnashing of teeth. So just to summarize, we we see that in this parable, Jesus is, is laying out exactly, or he's laying out how this landowner gives these three talents to his servants. And this was a fairly common practice as, as a master would go away for some time, he would want to, to reap some benefits from while he was away. And, and some scholars suggest that in this, this passage we see this was a considerable amount given to these servants. And with the landowner's goal in mind, he's trying to multiply his money. He, he entrusts his servants based on their ability. The landowner then leaves and his servants start their work Two of them double their profits, while one hides what was given as to not lose any of it. When the landowner returns, we see that he calls his servants who were profitable, good, and faithful. But for the servants that did nothing with what he was entrusted with him, he is punished. As we look into this text, I really have three things that I think we need to take away and we need to, to really reconcile with how we manage what God has entrusted us. The first of those is God entrusts us all with something. God entrusts us all with something. God has given each of us something that according to our own ability, we are entrusted to. And this is not something new. This isn't a new biblical concept that Jesus is laying out. This is, goes all the way back to Gen. Genesis with Adam, when, Gen- when Adam is put in charge of the garden, we, we see this with God's covenant with Abraham. We see this in Joseph being put in charge of Egypt. We see this on a broader scale as the Israelites are chosen as God's people, entrusting them with, with maintaining a relationship with God. We see even in that God entrusting judges to exact judgment when the Israelites aren't faithful Ultimately, in the New Testament, we see God entrusting Mary and Joseph with his son, Jesus. As Jesus gets older, we see him entrusting the disciples to go be fishers of men. And ultimately, we see his final call that includes us of going and making disciples. And I want it to be clear this morning that our text today is clear that they were entrusted with what the landowner knew they could manage. They were entrusted by their own ability. And he entrusts them based on their ability. And we're gonna, we're gonna circle back to that here a little bit later. But I think it's easy for all of us to think, to forget that God is in the business of using us, using broken people to accomplish his work. We read biblical stories. We think how awesome it is that Joseph did incredible work in saving the, is, saving the Israelites, being able to provide food for nations, or that an actual guy named Jesus broke bread with actual disciples, and then the disciples, after the, the ascension into heaven, actually start to do the work that Christ commissioned them to do. But we have to understand that God has entrusted us with something. And specifically, what God has entrusted us with is accomplishing his will with what he has given us. We have to understand that God has entrusted us with accomplishing his will with what he has given us. 
I think it's easy, you know, if, for those of you that have kids, I get to work with, with six to 12th graders all the time, so I get to see the, the, the big difference between a sixth grader and a 12th grader, but if you have kids or, or you once were a kid trying to be including everybody in this, we, we see that at each stage of our life, we gain more and more responsibility. As kids, you're entrusted with your friends. You're entrusted with the, the schooling students, maybe not so much anymore that it's summer, but you're entrusted with, with your time in school. You're entrusted with your teammates, with the interests that you have. Eventually, if you have an allowance or a job, you, you're, you're entrusted with giving that money through tithes. Then as you, as you kind of go get into the older student age, maybe into college, you start to, to date and you're entrusted with that dating relationship. You graduate college, you're in your mid-20s and, and God entrusts you with your career. He entrusts you with your coworkers. He entrusts you with your finances and, and the influence you have over your friends. Maybe you're, you get married during that time. He starts, you, you're entrusted with your spouse. And, and even if you're single and you're dating, he entrusts you with that dating relationship. But even if you're, you're not single, or even if you're single and you're, you're not trying to date, he entrusts you with your singleness and how you manage your time. Then as you begin to have kids, God entrusts you with one of the most incredible things, which is raising kids, and, and we see throughout the Bible, but Deuteronomy 6 paints a very clear picture of the role of a parent as the primary discipler of their children, teaching them and raising them up to know God. And then you get older, and, and your kids are older, and, and you retire, and Lord willing, you're entrusted with grandkids and influencing them, and, and you have a newfound freedom in retirement to, to build up and serve the church and and to help show, and this is probably the most important one, but you have walked through life, and so you're entrusted with helping those to come know the changing truth of Jesus through your experience. See, we are all entrusted with something. I think if we all were to think for just a minute, we could really think of a million things that we have in our life that God has given us so that we could accomplish his will. Which takes me right to my second point, which is we are responsible for what God entrusts to us. We are responsible for what God entrusts to us. And we see this in our text where the three servants have to do something with what the landowner gave them. We see that, that they go and two of them double it and the last one hid it away and he, he does something with what he was given. And we see that the landowner is upset that there was no increase in this last servant's talent. And I feel like that's, that's kind of a logical principle, right? We have two people who go and do something with what they were given, which was even more than, than the last one, but the last one goes and hides it away. And, and one of the commentaries that I read in preparing for this morning was very clear on talking about how it was really the attitude of the third servant towards his master, specifically what he knew about his master, that led him to this bad stewardship of what he was given. The, the master even calls him slothful. It was how he viewed the master that led him to his bad stewardship. I remember uh, I played, oh, I didn't play. I participated in football when I was in high school. Um, I, I was a very good bench warmer. Um, and so, we were tasked with selling these like football cards. They were um, 
had coupons for local businesses and they were like 10 bucks and we had to go and knock on doors and sell them. And it was really easy and 90% of my teammates who actually played just would put them on their kitchen counter and their mom would go sell them for them or, or maybe they just would forget about it. But when you got out into the community, it was really easy to sell these football cards because it was the football team. Like, yeah, people are gonna support you and you just knock on door, do you want this? Yes, okay, give me $10. Like, it was that simple. But we oftentimes just want to leave things. We, we take the box and we put the things that God has entrusted, whether it's coworkers, whether it's our, our schoolmates or our teammates, whether it's sometimes even our families, whatever it is, we just put them in the box and we just go and we, we put the box away and, and we forget about it. I think we all can think about those times that we do things, the places we go, the people that we interact with, and we can ask, are we actively going with God's call in mind? I think it's easy for us to just show up to a church on Sunday morning to, to be a part of, of something and leave those things completely unchanged by Jesus. I think the most important part of us being responsible for what God has entrusted to us is understanding that there is risk involved. For the first servant, he just buried it because he knew that, that there was a risk involved with going and doing what the master had told him. But for the other two, they had the same risk. They could have made one bad business deal. They could have had one bad investment, one bad choice, and everything would have been completely lost but the risk is worth it because we are not alone. The text does not say this. Please hear that. The text is not, does not explicitly say this, but I can imagine because the, the owner knows his servants. He knows their ability. He knew that they could do it. He knew that they could make a profit from what they were given. I can imagine that he probably gave them some sort of, hey, here is how to do this because he's entrusting his money with them. The risk is worth it because we are not alone. I would say for our students in the room, it's getting increasingly, increasingly more difficult for you to go into your school and talk about Jesus. We live in a culture that, that is more and more denying the reality of Christ. But I would take it a step further and say that our students will never take the risk of going into schools and talking about Jesus if parents aren't risking and sacrificing time to talk about Jesus at home. When it comes to serving our community or our church, we're so worried about the risk of being told no or having a question we can't answer or having a literal door being slammed on our face. But what we could be doing is sharing the gospel with those around us and letting God take care of the results. I remind you of Christ's commission to us in Matthew 28, 16 through 20. It says that Jesus will be with us to the end of the age. What it's saying is as we go, we go with God. And we are responsible for the going, but God is responsible for the rest. We are responsible for what God entrusts to us. One of my favorite parts of scripture is that you can read the same text a hundred times and find new things each time. And that happened, I've, I've heard the, the parable of the talents more times than I can count. But in getting ready for this morning, verse 19 jumped out at me as, as just this new thing, as I've grown, it's just this new 
reality of this text. Verse 19 tells us that the landowner, after a long time, returned. So last point is Christ will return. In the same way that the landowner returned to take account of what his servants did, so will Christ. Romans 14, 11, and 12 tells us, it is, as it, it is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God, so then each of us will give an account of himself to God. We see that the landowner's response to those that doubled their talents He says, good and faithful servant. And to the unfaithful, he condemned. I got to be a part this this past fall, I got to be a part of a mentoring group with a pastor in Atlanta. He's in the, the, he works for NAM, the North American Mission Board, and and he's all about empowering student ministers and college ministers to take uh, the gospel and impacting the next generation. And, and he said this, and, and this quote really stuck with me. And he said, and it's really influenced how one day down the road when, when me and my wife have kids, how I wanna think about parenting, it says, parents, one day our children will also stand before King Jesus. And he'll care little about their grades, batting averages, three-point percentages, yards per carry, popularity, college transcripts, or class rank, how are we investing in their souls? The one thing that he cares about. And it's so important that this morning we recognize that none of those are bad things. None of those things are are in and of themselves evil, but if they're our main focus, if our main focus now is on helping our children, helping our students, and even, frankly, ourselves, even myself, accomplish our earthly goals without a primary emphasis on our need for Jesus, Jesus who is God's son, who came and died and rose again for us, if our primary focus isn't on the life change of the cross, if we're so bent on dumbing down the Bible for for students and and for kids that, that just so that they can understand it and recite it back to us, when in actuality our students are reading Shakespeare and doing algebra and trigonometry, which is just so much more complicated, if we are so worried about our own comfort or happiness that we sacrifice what could be us standing before the one who came to save and him calling us good and faithful servant, not for anything that we did, but just putting our trust in him, trusting him with our conversations, trusting him with the the souls of our, our kids, with the souls of our students, with the souls of ourselves. Church, unless we are doing that, we're missing the point. I wanna end challenging you all with this. What if we did that? What if we actually lived like that? Could you imagine what would happen to Niceville if we lived lives completely on fire for Jesus? If we lived lives with heaven in mind? If we lived lives completely and totally trusting in Christ, not only in in just our personal salvation, but trusting Christ with our neighbors, trusting Christ with our communities, trusting Christ with our schools, if we didn't hide it away and bury it, but we entrusted or we put trust in Christ and we took the risk to go out and proclaim the truth of Jesus 
and let Jesus control the outcome. The impact would just be incredible. A few weeks ago, we got to do a family dedication. And those are some of my favorite nights because as your student minister, it is a reminder that the call of the church is not, it just doesn't stop when they're cute, squishy little babies. The, the call of the church continues. And one of the things that we get to do on this student Sunday is celebrate our seniors. Celebrate an incredible class that for, for quite some time we have been entrusted to. And so I just wanted as, as one to, to help you see their faces and hear from them and be able to pray for them specifically about where they're going and what they're studying, but also I wanted us to be able to see the ways that God has worked in their lives up until this point. So we have a quick video that we're just gonna show to do that. Hey y'all, my name is Katie Grace and I'll be going to Auburn University in the fall to study nursing. One thing that God has taught me these past few years is that he is faithful to each and every one of us and his plan is always greater than ours. Hi, my name is Faith Ingram and I will be attending University of North Florida to study biomedical science and God has taught me to trust in his plan and put him first in everything I do. I'm Zachary Dabowski. I'll be doing mechanical engineering at UWF in Pensacola. One thing God's taught me is to have patience when you're going through school and all good things will come through him. Hi, I'm James Arnold. I'm currently at Okaloosa Technical College studying tech support. And next year, I'll be studying cybersecurity. Over the past five years, I've been going through depression and God has definitely helped me through that. My name is Ellie Wise and I'm going to college at University of Florida. I plan to major in kinesiology and God has taught me that his plan is always better than mine. Hey, I'm Reagan Carter and I'm going to Florida State University next year to study athletic training. And something God has taught me um, up to this point is that his plan is always better than mine. Um, that's something I've had a really hard time um, getting in my brain. Um, I've tried to make my own plan and um, I've always been humbled and brought back to God's plan. Let's just, let's just celebrate these seniors really quickly. We, as a church, have had the incredible privilege of being entrusted with these seniors for however long they have been here. And as they go into this next phase, as they go all across the country, I just want us to, to, to help them feel a deep and spiritual connection here in Niceville. This is, this is ascending as we pray for them continually, as we intercede for them continually, and as we encourage them continually. Not just, this is not just a one-time thing. This is something that we should be continuing to do as we send them out and as they go live and honor God with what he has entrusted them. So just as a sign of that, if you are comfortable, I'm just gonna ask that you just reach out a hand as we pray for them, just as a sign of praying over them. Pray with me. Father God, thank you, Lord, for the incredible privilege it is, God, to be entrusted with these seniors. God, just for the short time that I have been able to get to know them, Father, I am so excited. 
So excited to see what they will do. Father, thank you for this church, God. Lord, it's my prayer that we would be passionate about being faithful with what you have given us. God, and that we would see transformation in our community. Father, and as we pray over these seniors now, God, as they go into these new phases and these new schools, Father, I just lift up JT and Reagan and Isaac and Zachary and Amanda and Kiana and Megan and Donovan and Faith and Gabe and Logan and Katie Grace and Emily and Maya and Ellie, God, that you would encourage them, Father, as they go, Lord, to live for you. God, as they are gonna face all new challenges, God, as they're going to face all new burdens, God, as they're going to face all new friend groups, God, it's my prayer that they would know you, God, and it's my prayer that this church would not be a church that just sends seniors and, and then they come back when they have kids, Lord, but this would be a church that we would be continually praying for them, that we would be continually calling out to them, God, that we would be continually encouraging them to pursue after you. Father, we love you and we thank you. It's your son's name we pray, amen.